Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. Hi, Adam. How are you today? Is this good? Is 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 life still aggressively normal? <laughs> I mean, the world outside is bleak, but uh, then, you know, there's these little peaks of sunshine. Like, I just learned that Taki is coming back into continuity. Um, <laughs> he never left continuity. I know, but I haven't seen him in forever, and uh, he's going to be in this Al Ewing book that they just announced. And I am, I am over the moon. <laughs> Taki being in an X Men book in 2020 and having a more substantive, substantial role than he's ever had. It's pretty good. Um, it's that's great. the new book, Sword. That's spinning out of Ten of Swords. It's about Sword. Uh, but sword as s dot w dot o dot r dot d dot, the space <laughs> shield that now mutants run. I love it. And I take love over that. the galaxy with. I guess I don't know. I'm, bud. I'm pumped. It's so funny that like that was such a great. I mean, creation alone was such an amazing, outstanding issue. But the it's the, the only uh, only shining beacon of light I have in my life. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm saying. Like the world at large is not like like really th- very uh, fun right now. But yet we have this Ten of Swords event, and it really is delivering so far. Can you imagine if everything was this bad all the time, but we were <sighs> in the middle of Let's just let's just say Rosenberg's X Men, uh, which is a Oof. run that has a lot of issues. Yeah, uh, and quali- quality aside, is depressing AF. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm glad that I have my uh, my Ten of Swords to uh, to captivate me. Um, we're not talking about Ten of Swords today, though. Um, no, there's there's very limited sword content on this one. Yeah, I don't think there's limited. anyone wield. Does someone wield a sword at any point in these stories? I am, I am sure some of the ninjas uh, that do appear have swords. Uh, yes, yes, that is true. Um, but uh, what what are we... This is kind of a weird theme that we have today, this right? This is a weird theme. This weird theme comes to us from all-star Patreon supporter Robert. And Robert, uh, no last name given, no last name needed, went on That's over okay. to patreon.com slash battle of the atom threw some money our way and said, hey, guys, I got some weird-ass teams that Gambit is on the outskirts of. Uh, so y'all want to y'all wanna talk about those? And I said, well, you're giving us money. And if you want to be <laughs> like Robert and give us money, we'll talk about weird stories. Um, these are all weird teams. They all have Gambit appearing in these stories. None of them are particularly great. <laughs> uh, but... Well, yeah, they're gambit adjacent. <laughs> these are these are three gambit adjacent weird teams. Uh starting with X-Men Volume 4 numbers 23 through 26, The Burning World. This is written by G Willow Wilson uh with pencils by Roland Boschi, 
Uh, Javier Fernandez does a little bit of a fill-in for him on issue two. Uh, mm-hmm. Then Inks, uh, Baibashi, uh, Jay Lyson, Mark Pennington, uh, Javier Fernandez, uh, Lee Ledridge does the colors on this one. There's a lot of people doing it. Oh, that's not even all the inkers. I'm sorry. No, there's a ton. There's an army of inkers on uh, these books. Julian Hugand Bert also does some inks. Uh, and Bashi uh, inks all of the last issue by himself, um, which tells me that these were behind schedule. Maybe, maybe. Um, this we we talked about X Men Volume Four previously with the uh, the first three issues, um, Brian Wood writing and Olivier Coipel doing uh, some outstanding work on art. But we we I think we proclaimed that it was kind of a dud. Um, it was. This is an interesting kind of hail mary for this series because this is the final arc of X Men Volume Four, right and, before uh, Secret Wars. Right before Secret Wars, and we are bringing on uh, what I think a lot of people might consider a big gun, um, G. Willow Wilson, uh, coming off of Miss Marvel to uh, write an X Men story. The the only X Men story that G. Willow Wilson has written, I believe Maybe? so. Yeah, uh, don't Wilson, quote me on that. Wilson may have written some X Men stuff, like as part of an anthology or something, mm. like. I can't say that, but this is this is 2015, uh, so this is very recently after uh, Ms. Marvel became a big thing. Uh, but before Wilson was like a like she was a rising star in comics, uh, she was not giant, and even even today, I wouldn't I I wouldn't consider her a giant figure in comics, though she's doing a lot of good work over on the Sandman books with uh, Nick Robles. Uh, making a second appearance in two weeks. Go go look at Nick Robles' art. It's pretty good. <laughs> Nick's amazing. Um, um, but yeah, this is this is a weird way to what feels like pad time until uh, Secret Wars has to happen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, now I do remember interviews from around this time um, with G Willow Wilson talking about how um, she wanted to talk about the X-Men within the context of the environment, which I thought was kind of an interesting premise and something that um, is definitely being played on right now is nature versus machine in, uh, in the current Krakoan landscape. But this is basically a four issue, almost a mini uh, this little arc um, has a very different art style than we've seen in other arcs of this book. And it's it's essentially um, Storm, Monet, Psylocke, and Rachel going up against kind of a... I mean, for lack of a better word, it's a, it's a storm in a cave uh, that... And they're, they're going to kind of have these psychological battles with themselves. So each issue focuses on one of them as the, the key narrator um, and... You know, there's a mystery as to what it is. It's connected to the Krakoa that's used as the Jean Grey school's uh, land. And that that part's not as interesting. But there are some interesting character moments here. Um, what did you think of this, Zach? I think, I think you've touched on it. There are some interesting character moments. I think there's enough here that I would, even today, still love it if Wilson... Give Wilson some X-Men stuff. Sure. Give, yeah, Wilson, some stuff. I I dig it. Uh, unfortunately, the plotting in this is 
not great. I I understand what Wilson's trying to do by uh, focusing on each individual character through the uh, caption boxes, through the narration. I don't think that lands as strongly as she wants it to. Uh, I don't think it's helped by a plot that kind of goes all over the place. The Kree are involved. They mm-hmm. think the Inhumans are involved for a hot second, uh, but then that literally goes nowhere. Uh, <laughs> like, that that should have been edited out because uh, it is just weird. It's like, well, hey, it's one of those you're, moments you're writing they... <laughs> the only good Inhumans book, right? What, right, Willow? Right, and it's like Jubilee is forced to go and confront Medusa for two pages. And it's like, no, let's <laughs> in humans. Stop. It's not going to happen. Listen, um, listen, but it's from we, that era. So we love Kamala Khan. Don't get it twisted. Kamala's mm-hmm. great. All of the other Inhumans are hot garbage and they can all die. I mean, I'm okay with some Inhumans if they like pop up in Nocenti's daredevil run, but like, I'm not an Inhumans fan. Um, so I remember the fact- I, it was like <laughs> it's been like seven years since I read it, but I remember liking the Paul Jenkins J. Lee uh, sure. 12 inch issue Marvel Knights. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was weird that uh, their big push to have the Inhumans uh, in comics did involve Black Bolt owning a bar, and none of us talk about that anymore. Y'all remember how Black Bolt had a bar and he this was is a the first time. First time hearing of it, I I never read any of those books. So IVX um, number one, they go to his bar and Dazzler oh, f's yeah. him up. Oh, I didn't realize there was an ongoing like yeah. concern. No, that was <laughs> it was it was a Secret Wars. That's really uh, funny. Like Casablanca riff yeah. that cool. Charles Soule did, and then he just brought it into the regular Marvel universe because I think it's a I think it's a weird choice. To have the king of the Inhumans, Black Bolt, Blackagar Boltagon, the Celestial Avatar, the Midnight King. <laughs> I think it's weird for him to be tending bar. I think that's not a choice that I would make if I was trying to uh, increase the Q rating of Marvel's <laughs> The Inhumans. The third well. best set of Jack Kirby gods. The, the fact that, that they make a little cameo here is uh, is not great. But um, I, I think the one thing that works for me here especially is uh, Storm is mourning uh, Logan. This is right after Death of Wolverine. Yeah, he um, did just bite it. Having having visions of him. I feel like some of the stuff that, that Wilson's doing here works better than what we saw elsewhere um, in like Wolverine and the X-Men Volume 2. Um I like the the artwork here um, by um, Roland Bashi. It's a, a very distinct kind of Mignola, Kevin Nolan type, um, like angle kind of artwork. It works better in some places than other, b- but I, I think that for the style of story that he's trying to tell, um, you know, based on Wilson's script, I, th- I think it works pretty well. There's some sort of like weird... Uh, xenomorph style aliens underneath the ground which don't really make a lot of sense but especially when he gets to draw this second krakoa which was uh similarly created by atomic tests it's kind of cool like he's got a a good style for that that part of the story okay because i hated it oh okay I actually like Bashi as an artist. I did not enjoy the art uh, as featured in these four issues. And I 
I think you're seeing a lot of shadows and saying, oh, yeah, that's what Mike Mignola draws. And that's not wrong, but I'm also physically touching uh, my seven bound library editions of Hellboy. Uh, and I can I can I feel confident as I've been rereading them saying I feel like Mignola pulls a lot more from like Kirby where. Oh, sure. Where uh, Bashi like he almost feels like uh, like if Felipe Andrade uh, just went to town with blacks mm. with like heavy, heavy, heavy like, brush strokes. Yeah. Well, and who knows? Because, you know, I get also get the sense that given the army of inkers that are on this particular book, like depending on the page. You can see either the colorist doing some of the heavy lifting, like backgrounds are either, def- you know, defined or, or pretty loose. So you don't know, like, how developed some of the pencils were here. Oh, and, yeah. And no. What's contributing to what that what that final look is. And um, I think that's that's part of it for me. Like, the art does feel like it was made on a deadline. Like, oh, sure. more than normal commercial art. Yeah. I, I don't hate it. Um, we said this was a Gambit adjacent story. It begins oh, with Gambit he's at Burning Man <laughs> at Burning Man giving uh, offering to give strange uh, strangers massages, tantric <laughs> massages. Thank you very much. He's going to align your chakras. Apparently, um, I don't. I don't. I I understand this take on Gambit. I don't like this take on Gambit because it makes him a cartoon, but also. He's just like a one-line joke in this, and that's fine. He's not He's not your centerpiece. This is no. not the Gambit book, and it shouldn't no. be. No, it, it's okay. And uh, again, I feel like people should have pushed this team to some different areas. We've talked before about how cool this lineup is. Um, Such a good an lineup. Interest- yeah, it's a great lineup. It's an interesting concept for a story, but like overall, I like it, it's not doing a lot it's it's getting these little tiny character moments of shining and then the overall concept of uh this second krakoa who then gets bestowed onto the other krakoa via a rock um which is a kind of a cute ending to the story by jubilee i it's fine it's just it's not something that i think readers are going to want to revisit a lot so um should we put it on our big old list are you talking about our list where we have ranked definitively and finally 414 X-Men stories from best to worst, starting with our number yeah. one story, The House of X and Powers of Ten, uh, a controversial pick, we know, but screw you, it's our list. Actually, <laughs> most people, if they thought it was controversial, kept their mouths shut. I was going to say, I was expecting more blowback, and people really didn't you know, give us any guff about it. Do you know how much I had the Hannibal Burris, why are you booing me, I'm right, <laughs> get, right. like prepped, <laughs> and I didn't use it? No. So maybe maybe we're uh, in, in the majority there. Of course we're right, Adam. No one no one just wants to admit it. I know, no one I know. no one wants to be like, okay, those two podcasters who really don't like X-Men <laughs> they are dirty liars and they are not uh dealing with the sacredness that is the Dark Phoenix saga, which is our number two right now. Uh but that doesn't matter because our number one hundred is Inferno, the X-Men and X Factor parts. Um mm-hmm. Our number 200 on this list is Old Man Logan, Glob Loves, Man Kills. I love it. I love Glob Loves, Man Kills. Uh, Number 300 on this list is X-Force 29 and 30. Adam X, the X-Stream is back. 
fucking things. I've never been deadlier. Never been deadlier. Never been deadlier. Uh, number 400 <laughs> on this list is uh, X-Men 30, The Warlock Wakes. No, that one. Not that one and not that one either. Uh, and number 414 is the Draco. Uh, at 281, we have Primer, uh, the first three issues of uh, this arc. I liked those better, uh, but a lot of that's the Olivier Coipel art. Yeah, I mean, the Coipel art is definitely going to uh, make Primer uh, the better story here. But I feel like we're in uh, the general area of the list. Um, At 289, we have Aurora Before the Storm, which I Hmm. think is better than this. I would agree. Um, I don't know... If it is as bad as, uh, let's say, well, how do you feel about it compared to like Deadly Genesis at two ninety five? Listen, I don't like Deadly Genesis either. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I'm working that's... my way down the list though, because I, I feel like there's other stuff here that's that's better than this. Like um, number three hundred four is Iceman Volume Three, one through five, thawing out, which I think is better. I do. I no, agree. similarly has some art issues that are really hard for me to get over. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably no, not probably. This is definitely better than number three hundred eight. Uh, the Uncanny X Men arc <laughs> where Rachel thinks herself into being a dinosaur. Well, I don't know if it's better than the first appearance of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, which is right above that. So, should this be our new three hundred eight? Why not? It's our list. Fantastic. All right, that's uh, The Burning World. Yeah, I mean, uh, of the arcs of that book, like, I, 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 that's one of the better ones, I thought. But it's it's a kind of a subpart book in general. Yeah, uh, that's of, damning with faint praise, my dude. Well, um, you're about to hear me damn with faint praise because let's talk about some thrillingly uh, subpar uh, comics right now. <laughs> hey, with our Adam, second story <laughs> yeah we're talking about extreme x-men five through nine oh, it doesn't gosh. really have a title uh it's written it's written by papa chris uh with art by uh his favorite um uh liquid liquid pencils or liquid colors do the colors uh no one inks this explicitly no no one inks this i just learned that because like looking at this i've always wondered like what is the deal with the art style on this book and someone recently told me like there's no inker it's just straight up coloring right over it's coloring over the pencils but which is an interesting style and i like it better than la roca's almost heavily rendered feel that he has today like this at least has it has a feeling and an emotion and a style to it and i don't i don't particularly enjoy it but i can appreciate what it's going for more than say what he's doing on dr doom right now which is a book that i don't care for i'm just gonna come out and say this i find this artwork very difficult to look at I feel like, especially with the without the inks, um, everything just sort of blends together. I'm looking at a two-page spread that is the second uh, and third pages of this, and it just looks like gobbledygook. Like, it, it really is a mess. Um, you ever think about how it's been 20 years and Salvador La Roca and Chris Claremont are still making X-Men comics? Like, this December, there'll be another Salvador La Roca and Chris Claremont X-Men comic. 
Yeah, I, I guess that's something that a style he really likes. Um, I am not <laughs> not a fan. Um, in fact, I got kind of in trouble uh, tweeting about this particular story the other day because I compared this to Greg Land and gave Greg Land the upper hand, even though both of them are notorious tracers. Um, especially with LaRocca's Star Wars work and Land had, had just been caught recently, very blatantly ripping off uh, an Aliens uh, piece from, from another artist. Hey, but, isn't it wild how how he's well known for being a tracer and also not having inks? Yeah, but he hits deadlines, so I guess that's Look, why at a the, certain the rehires, point, At right? a certain point, if he... If the books are coming out, sometimes editors are going to be like, listen, I don't have time to sort this through. He just sends me pages, man. I, I Right. Like, I ethics are, are not being considered as part of the sales, um, which is not great. Um, hey, welcome neither, to capitalism. How can I take yes. your order? <laughs> neither is the... Uh, I'm complaining a lot about the artwork, but my God, this story is bad. Yeah, why do um, people want Chris Claremont to keep writing X-Men? He, he stopped, and... He stopped on a pretty high note. And if he would have just continued to stop, what do we lose out on? Uh, well, I mean... End of Grays, I guess? Like that? Guess. That was nice. Yeah, um, I like that. But we would what do we have lose less, out on? less uh, intros and outros for God Loves Man Kills reissues. <laughs> I keep picking on that one. second part of that. Man, I didn't either. Man, Brent Anderson... Terrible. I love Astro City, so I have a lot of fondness for him. Uh, but that was not his best eight pages. Mm. It's okay. It's okay. Um, it's fine. Th- this story involves Gambit being accused of a murder, um, which he did not commit. He did not do this murder. He did not do this murder. Um, and we are also introduced to uh, <laughs> everybody's... I don't know. Do people like these guys or, or am You're I talking about Slipstream and Lifeguard, correct? Slipstream I guess Slipstream this... and Lifeguard, uh, who are literally a lifeguard and a surfer. Yeah. Uh, from Surfer's Paradise, a real town that mm-hmm. actually does exist and wasn't made up for this story in what was the most shocking thing I ever learned. <laughs> uh, and um, the two of them immediately start uh, dating thunderbird and storm which is very strange yeah thunderbird by the way is the indian thunderbird from the subcontinent neil Neil shara yeah who is great have we talked about how unfortunate it is that his name's thunderbird and why yeah we have talked about that at least a little bit yeah it's for the it's for the reasons of he's from india and the original thunderbirds were apache uh and uh, you know, colonialism kind of screwed up a lot of stuff, guys, and that was one of them. Um, yeah, not a not a great reason to to use that code name. Not a great one. Not a great one. Uh, he should get a new one sometime in our new Krakoa. Hey, uh, but also Slipstream and Lifeguard suck, and I hate them. You remember when? <laughs> you remember when? Uh, I started the Xavier Files Media Empire uh, back in I the do. Twilight years. You you ranked them quite low, I believe. I ranked, and this seems like a tiny amount of characters based on our output on this podcast, but I ranked 
200 and or 121 different X-Men characters, which is a good amount. And I wrote sure. too much about that. Um, I ranked them last. <laughs> That's below <sighs> X-Men, mm-hmm. Inc., The Executioner. Unis the Untouchable, who's so dumb because he keeps killing himself in his own dang force field. <laughs> and Shark Girl. Sense. Man, uh, uh, Unis. Uh, he, poor Unis. He, he just wants to eat cake and not get murdered by demons. I know, I know. But uh, sacrificed for the, the greater cause, I guess. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I hate Lifeguard and Slipstream, and this, this story is part of why. They they don't have much to do except, you know, deflect bullets from their golden skin and, and show off some shape-shifting powers. Uh, what is Slipstream's power? Did I, I miss that. What oh, he, he doesn't have his power yet. Um, oh, okay. He gets it later in this run when... It's not Vargas. He's involved, though. But there's some aliens that take over uh, parts of the world and try and make Storm their queen because Claremont ran out right. of idea. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he gets a dimensional shifting surfboard powers. That's fun. Or should be. Yeah, it should be. I'm looking at my silver (laughs) surfer statue and seeing how oddly I love that and how much I hate Slipstream. (laughs) Because Silver Surfer... Was like, what do I do? How can I make a cool silhouette? Well, the kids like surfing. Right. Uh, so I'll make him an alien surfer, which is cool and interesting. Uh, whereas this guy who his entire personality is gnarly, dude. I'm a surfer. Cowabunga, mate. Throw another <laughs> shirt on the barbie, why don't you? Debbie yeah, or whatever. De- yeah, I hate him. <laughs> I hate him so much. And and the fact storm that makes no sense immediately this is not a villain falling in love with storm that's normal how could you not this is her falling in love with this teenage boy that's weird he's like he's like 19 but he's like yeah he's like too young and it's like i don't i don't i don't like this if no, you were just, just faking it storm yeah he's anyway you know what else is terrible here um, the plot? Um, well, the plot, but um, I was going to go on a little bit of a riff about how um, Bishop is like super like Blue Lives Matter. Bishop is a cop. <laughs> like he is all in for the cause here. And like Rogue calls him out on it. And he's like, I've always been a cop. I'll always be a cop. And then he's playing detective for the rest of the, the arc. Um, it's. Not a great look. Here's the thing about Bishop being a cop. Bishop was a cop in the XSE, which was <laughs> right. less of a police force <laughs> and more of there are mutant like serial monsters, killers. serial <laughs> right. killers going around and we're in the army. Uh, yeah. It was different. So Claremont making him a cop. Or not making him a cop, but leaning into that aspect. Uh, and also in his later Uncanny X-Men return, making all of those X-Men cops and having like, what if these X-Men were cops? I don't like that. Uh, oh. I do like his 
fellow cop Terry Baltimore, who's an anime character. <laughs> Terry Baltimore, who shows up on the Akira, the Akira Literally, bike. <laughs> Literally the bike from Akira. Akira! <laughs> oh uh, my God. A movie, a movie I just recently saw. I get it. Like, oh, it's you. You hadn't seen that before. I, Adam, you know how many anime I watch. Oh man, that's like one of the good ones though. You gotta watch that. It's classic. It's pretty good. Too many animes do end with the ascension of all humankind into some sort of machine-like god state, which I do understand is what Hickman's going to end up doing, but he's taken a lot longer to get there than, like, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion or Akira did. Those are two of the three animes I've seen. The other one was X-Men. There you go. There you go. Um, you mentioned the plot here. Uh, like I said, it's a murder mystery, but then it really goes off the rails. Sage is being um, manipulated by Lady Mastermind. Sebastian Shaw is here. Like you mentioned, there's a subplot with, with Bishop teaming up with Baltimore. It's just this like mess of, of, li- of plot lines and subplots, and it all gets resolved very quickly. Um, the uh, racist looking caricature of the um, Asian villain in this story um, who tortures more, more weird fetish stuff. Um, yeah. Tortures he does weird fetish torture with acupuncture <laughs> with rogue and gambit. Uh, he apparently committed the murder with his acupuncture needles and no, then... no, 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 you one? missed it because, and this is, this is reasonable because most of this gets explained in a poorly done silent issue. Oh, right. Yeah. But there's, there's enough set issue in this. Yeah. Uh, there were two good enough set issues from the X-Men line. This and is not those, one of them. those were the Morrison one. And uh, I, I should say the Morrison quietly one. And the Alred uh, Milligan one from X-Force. This one's not good. What happens is that Lady Mastermind convinces this guy that he was drowning. So he drowns, but he wasn't really drowning. Oh, right. And that's why he's asphyxiated. Right. Yeah. It's a bad. Listen, Adam, (sighs) if it was a good plot, you would have remembered this book you read less than a week ago. I I just read this like within two days and that enough said issue just is a showcase for why I do not understand why you would go back to LaRocca as, as a, a storyteller, because it just, I don't know. There's no dynamics whatsoever on the page. You know, hey, can we it, talk about all of his covers where there's a lot of ladies who have just perfect spheres drawn on their chests? Oh boy. Yeah. It's guys. I'm not joking when I say they look like literal like basketballs placed on somebody. It's not good. Um, I don't I don't like this. There's people who think that this as a contemporary to Grant Morrison's New X-Men was the superior book. And what? I just want to talk. I just want to talk. There's a panel where you get uh, a like a cut to Jean Grey in Cerebro in the Morrison book. And I'm like, oh my God, this is happening at the same time. I ref- I always forget that. And of course this is not as good. What? Yeah, um, that book has its own set of unique issues. Um, but those issues aren't the general coherentness mm. of it. Some of the art issues are still there, uh, but sure. 
Uh, yeah, this one I don't like. Uh, this is... This is... Extreme X-Men's bad. Um, and it, you don't like it. You just wish Claremont was still the Claremont you remember when you were a kid. And that's fine. We all... We all wish Claremont was better. I just... Every time we visit this book, I, I just do not like it very much um at 294 we have extreme x-men expose this is worse than expose i I would say this is much more confusing than that book was um Um, at 408 we have god loves man kills 2 which i think is probably worse than this i would agree Uh, it's definitely not that bad um though though if you haven't read it uh stephanie burt a while back wrote a fantastic uh, piece about God Loves Man Kills 2 and some of the themes in God Loves Man Kills 2. And it didn't make me think God Loves Man Kills 2 was a good story, but it did make me think Stephanie Burt, who's very smart, has a lot of smart things to say and can turn a bad story into like something (laughs) worth reading. I will always listen to Stephanie Burt tell me something new about a story. I mean, go back and listen to any of the episodes that... uh that she's guested on because it's fascinating um better or worse than like eve of destruction at 395 it's like right there yeah Uh, i don't know if this is as bad as like the 12 at 393 it's it's shorter but just barely feels like it yeah uh mm, okay 388 is Excalibur 1 through 4, Forging the Sword. That's the Claremont and uh, Igor Cordy uh, yeah. Excalibur. That's bad. This is... Is this better or worse than that? I feel, like this, I feel like this is a little bit better than that. It is. Um, as, in... is, is it as bad as the Claremont Milo Minara X-Women? Uh, <laughs> Minara, who we have recently uncovered. Oh my god, are we going to talk about this? Y'all, listen, listen. It's a sensitive thing. Do yeah. look up what Milo Minara drew in tribute to those whose lives were lost in the uh, attacks on the World Trade Center on September 11th. Um, because that tells you everything you need to know about the man. I if I had seen that before we did that episode, <laughs> good God. Um, anyway, um, I, all right. I, I would put it personally below Crimson Dawn and above X Men Liberators. Okay, that's fine. This could be this could be three eighty five. Great, great. All right. So uh, for the record, that is below X Women. Yeah, yeah. I'm fine with that. Yeah. The arc, uh, the despite Minara's um, very very strange thing you just mentioned, um, which is just so distasteful. <laughs> um, it's the artwork it's is better so in X Women. Bad that it does circle around to like I can't even conceive no. how another human guys. I'm going to describe this for you. There is there is a woman in a crop top who is provocatively leaning up against a window uh, as we see a jetliner coming right at her. It's rough. Uh, It's bad, actually. (laughs) 
Yeah. And the explanation that Minara gave for the is worse. Really, really bad. So um, I don't invite people to necessarily check that out. Unless oh, you can I stomach the uh, the absolute. You're going to know Ugh. by that description. You're going to know if that's something that you want to you want to seek out or if that's something that you would rather not. And yeah. either one's fine, but like I can't get over it, Adam. I know it, uh, it is. Should, uh, it is scarring. Um, we should talk about something I can get over. Yeah, uh, this is a real interesting one. I had never, I had never read any of this series. This is uh, a proud presentation of Serval Industries' all new X Factor. Yeah, this is a uh, all new X Factor one through three. Uh, we're calling it Stolen Island, uh, but it's a mini mini arc that happens early in that book. Uh, two-time GLAAD Award winner uh, Peter Allen David does write it uh, with uh, Carmen Monaco doing the pencils uh, and Lee Ludridge doing the colors uh, on this one. Uh, beautiful Chris Anka covers. Let's start with that. Fantastic Chris Anka covers. Absolutely outstanding. Um, what do you think about uh, Carmine's art here? Fan? I mean, Not a fan? I'm... I said it in our Exiled episode. I'm a fan of Carmen D. Giamarnico's art. I understand if people aren't, but it works for me. And I think I think for this particular book, an important thing that's done here, and I'm not sure if this came from Anka or D. Giamarnico. I'm not sure who did the designs. But there mm-hmm. is a sense of fashion and a sense of, like, a bold sense of style. And I don't know if it's good. Like if I saw this walking around, I'd say, well, this is not like a conventionally good looking uh, outfit that you're wearing Polaris, but it feels different than everything else that's going on that like, I, I get, it stands out in a good way. I would agree. The, I, I, I sense that Anka probably had something to do with the, uh, the costuming here, I don't know, but the it book has like a, an Anka design. It, he the the book itself has such a, a very strong sense of like you said design, um, even in its its color palette. Um, it's a very yellow tinged book, um, and I feel like it works very well from a design sensibility standpoint. It does. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, uh, which. I mean, that's probably a lot of you, which is fine. Uh, All New X Factor was the book that came after Peter David's incredibly long and worse than you think run on X Factor investigations. Uh, This was him trying something new. He pulled in Lorna uh, from that book, Quicksilver, he brought back. Uh, And then Gambit, uh, who Mm -hmm. he had never written, uh, who I partly like but i don't know how much of that is that he gave gambit three kitty cats (laughs) yeah he's he's definitely adding to the gambit uh, mythos with the uh with the cats here um and and it's you know he does a smart thing which is he knows like that you have to make fun of gambit to really make gambit work and the fact that this first arc is all about Gambit is still the like king of the thieves, uh, the thieves guild, and they have their own island. And it turns out that, um, (laughs) 
well, we we got to get a, get through the concept of the team first, but they we do, have but to go. First, first, I have to jump in and say that I take back any of those good things I said because Peter Allen David did not create those cats. That was Marjorie Liu. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. He's he's still no. I thought with that. so. He's playing okay. with it, but he doesn't he doesn't get that one. He I am glad you made that live correction because I don't uh, guys don't want to give I had to, credit for I, things he didn't do. I reread all of Peter David's X Factor. And it's the parts that you remember as good aren't as good as you think they were. The parts you you forgot and like took out of your brain uh, because they weren't great, they stand out like a sore thumb, and they actually are more prevalent than you'd want them to be. It's a it's a book that you can breeze through uh, because he at least understands pacing, and like for the most part, he goes off, way off the rails by the end. Uh, but for most of that run, he understands like, okay, this is these this is how I put beats in a story to keep somebody reading, not necessarily good beats, but he like he knows the rhythm of a comic at this point in his career. Uh, anyway, that's my soapbox run. I don't like it. Uh, no, this it's, is, it's, this is probably it's a good soapbox because I feel like he's definitely trying something very different here, and I feel yes. like the pacing of these I, i'm gonna include the fourth issue because it kind of resolves the yeah, danger three plot and four. Line. yeah three and um, four here uh that the pacing of this is really fast um gambit is drawn into this new version of x factor by polaris they are employed by a mysterious sort of you know tech google conglomerate um, i mean it's it's google but it's google for people who a live in a comic book and b don't understand how companies work <laughs> right uh so they're they're the uh superheroes on the bill uh and what it what happens is that the company has some of its ip stolen by the Thieves guild um through what is it it's a it's a techno wizard of some kind um he's a technomancer I, his name's nil yes but it turns out that nil uh is only so good of a hacker he had to uh steal danger and use Danger basically as his operating system. Danger then freaks out and tries to destroy the island. Danger, um, the X-Men's danger room that Professor Xavier <laughs> did in prison for years and years and years as a Shi'ar AI, who then teamed up with Gambit and Rogue for a while uh, in X-Men Legacy. Yeah, so the way this story is solved is uh, a very Gambit style solution he lays a smooch on danger which apparently kicks her back into some sort of reality because before this she was claiming she had no idea who they were okay Um, two things about that one that's not how robots work two that sets up a weird (laughs) characterization for danger for the rest of the run where danger's like i'm a sex baby i don't know what i don't know what that is can you show me yeah. And I hate that. <laughs> it's a very strange. Even in even in the next issue, like she shows up in in the fifth issue, which we're not ranking here, she shows up in Gambit's bedroom. Um, it's she awkward. She asks everyone to have sex with her. Yeah, just yeah. except for Quicksilver, which is fair. I would. That makes wanted. sense. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Quicksilver is also a spy. We find out in this, but that doesn't go anywhere. It does has some weird characterization for Havoc that I don't like. Yeah, Havoc uh, is spying on the team for some reason. It's He's spying on the team because he's like, well, my ex is on the team, and sometimes she makes bad decisions, so I <laughs> I have to have her half-brother guard this fully grown adult woman 
uh, and then report all of her actions. Alex, you sound like an insane person. Don't do that, buddy. I know. I know. I know. But bud. Uh, He is like officially a crazy person at this point. Okay. Um, But right now he's doing... There was, there was a demon hanging out with him for a bit. <laughs> he cut his own mouth open with a knife oh, in Hellions. God, that was rough. Y'all go read Hellions by Zeb Hellions Wells. Hellions is great. Very it's, savage. Uh, is is some good stuff. Uh, X-Men books are so much better than now or, or than then. Like, yes. I love being in the now. I don't care about 2014. It's in, the, the best thing about this is twofold. One. I don't know if this was David's idea. I don't know if this got pushed internally through editorial or whatever. I don't know. But one, All New X Factor forced David, at least initially, to do new things that he hadn't Mm -hmm. done. Because his X Factor run got stale. And this is head and shoulders above like the last five to six years of his X Factor run. I would agree 100%. I, I I think the concept here feels, at least in the beginning, I haven't read this whole uh, run. It peters out in the weirdest way. I, I bet. Um, but You bet uh, that it involves uh, Spider-Man of 2099? That actually sounds rad. That's it, not rad? No, it literally <laughs> never pays off. Oh, okay. Spoiler oh, for the shame. end of this run, uh, it's like one scene that was like, Hey, Mr. Harry Snow, president of Serval Enterprises, I know you're really from 2099. And he's like, I'll never tell. And then Uh-oh. nothing happens. Oh. Then it's like, book got canceled because we put out 20 issues in one year. Which, by the way, Carmen DG Armonico drew 18 of those 20 issues in Good a 12 for him. month. Yeah, that got released over 12 months. So friggin'. It stays artistically consistent throughout, uh, and that's yeah. that is that is the other big side of this. Carmen D. Giormanico does a really great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can tell why he got tapped for like Flash uh, with the Rebirth era stuff pretty soon in after this. So I get it, um, but I don't like this book that much. I think I think there's I think it ends up being a weirdly middling book for me. I like this arc. Um, I can't speak to the, the you know, the entire run, um, but I thought this arc was fun. It was fast. It has a real style to it. It's it's good artwork. It's smart coloring. Um, it's just well designed. There's great camera angle work, you know, like things have a yes. dynamism to them here, which is really cool. Um, aside from that, you know, it's just, I, I can't speak really past this arc so well we're not we're just talking about those two issues yeah so um, hey, um i've got a comparison point and i think this is my ceiling okay number 203 on our list is gambit volume one. Oh, this isn't as good as that no it's not as good as gambit volume one okay no uh it's not as good as madrox at 214 uh i think it's in the same like realm as that though you know, is it, like, is it better or worse than 227 X Factor happenings in Vegas? I think it's better than that. It is, um, actually. It's better than X-Cell at uh, 225, yeah. which is another X Factor arc. I think it's better than 219, which is they keep killing Madrox. Yeah, it probably is better than that. But I it's don't not... think it's as good as Wolverine Noir at 218. Okay, 
good because I was about to tell you that it's definitely not better than 217 <laughs> iMagneto. No, no. But uh, I think, you know, for the start of a book, this is a pretty, pretty solid launch. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting one. Uh, so that's our number 219 and we're done. That's the end of that's the end of this podcast, guys, but not the end of our journey because we've got a long way to go until we've done literally every X-Men story and ranked it on this the list. end of time. Yeah, till the end of till the end of uh, all time uh, in space, and hopefully, uh, when we do go and subside within the world mind, uh, where we will all live in a black hole forever, um, we can continue this podcast uh, because I'm sure we just won't have talked about all the X Men stories by then. Uh, we want to thank Robert who went on over to Patreon.com/slash Battle of the Atomy threw money our way, and everyone go say thank you, Robert. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Robert. Uh, and then after that, uh, I'm at Xavier Files on Twitter, I guess. That's really more for the website uh, where you can find all the latest and greatest in X-Men news. Hey, are you confused about Ten of Swords creation? Well, go check that out because we got some really good sword <laughs> content for you. Also, are you confused about which Taylor Swift song best represents your favorite X-Woman? You can go check out that article, too. We contain multitudes. Great content. We are... We are cranking out the content because that's what the people crave. They're craving that content. That's right. Adam, where can people find you and all of your content? You guys can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. And uh, what do we got going on next week, Zach? We got some famous firsts. Famous firsts. Oh. Yeah, we got three stories uh, that are the first appearances of three characters. And you know what? Maybe we'll like them. Maybe we'll hate them. Maybe. Maybe we'll just find out. But until then, guys, <laughs> this has been Bally Adam, and we hope you survived the experience. Yeah!